We will be back in Luke chapter 2 again this morning as we conclude uh, looking at uh, the early life of Jesus, at least this portion of it. Um, it's very easy for me, I'll speak for myself, to, to read this is all kind of succinctly happening within a few weeks and months, and I've kind of done that all my life when I think back on childhood events, whether good, bad, or ugly, uh, I tend to I don't know if you do that. Maybe they seem, maybe time is a loss sometimes, uh, but uh, that's certainly not necessarily the case as, as the story in Luke in the first few chapters of the Gospels, all the Gospel accounts. Uh, a lot of those stories are not as succinct. They probably don't fall uh, right in line. John says, you know, that everything that if everything was written that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough, if you'll let me say, paper uh, in, in the modern way uh, to contain it all. There wouldn't be enough books that we could write. Obviously, we know that there are books even currently being written uh, about Jesus and will always, and things will be debated, and there'll be things that I say today that hopefully encourage you to study, to look at, uh, to, to debate in your mind, to bounce back and forth. And uh, as uh, was the bonus question for most of my Bible classes uh, in the fall, uh, you need to know why you believe what you believe and understand and have a healthy relationship, obviously, uh, through the scriptures with God. And as we look into Luke chapter 2, it's crazy to think about 2020. You know, I can remember being uh, the, uh, uh, in the graduating class of 1999, right? And uh, saving the best for last and thinking 2020, wow, that is forever away. You know, and you see these little comments and things that people post and the fact that, uh, uh, you know, 2050 is the same distance away as 1990. What? Is that right? That can't possibly be right. Uh, but uh, I guess that is. I'm not a math guy by any means. Uh, but that is crazy to think about. Uh, but the beautiful thing about it is, is that God is there. God knows. Um, you know, you see the things that are going on in our world today. Uh, and at the end of it, no matter whether you want to debate those things, whether you just want to ignore that they're happening altogether, uh, that God is in those things and that at the end of the day, He will receive the glory and honor in those things. Uh, that no matter how smart we may think we are or how ignorant we may actually be, uh, God's wisdom will prevail. He will be victorious. And so I hope that's encouragement to you today. Uh, it may not be encouragement. That may be a daunting thing. That may be intimidating. And I think that it can be both. Uh, I've been in those moments where God's glory, His grace and mercy is... It's not only an encouraging thing, but it's an intimidating thing. Because the challenge is for us to be as graceful as He is and to be merciful like He is. And that's difficult when the Scriptures themselves tell you that our thoughts are not His thoughts, our ways are not His ways. Uh, but the more and more I live, the more and more I rejoice in that, that knowing that. Uh, that He doesn't think the way that I think. And so it is a blessing to be here with you this morning. Uh, it's pretty neat as we've studied, I think, I hope that you feel the same way, that as we've studied these people who kind of flash through into the life of Jesus and kind of come and go. And we've talked about, obviously, his mother, his father as well. But these people who kind of flash into Scripture and then kind of go back into the darkness, you know, maybe like a face that shows up and then almost disappears as quickly as it shows up. But it's important to note that just because they have a few scriptures dedicated to them, it does not mean a lack of importance in this story and in this narrative. How amazing it must be, uh, whether they're cognizant of 
what's going on now when they leave this world, if they know that, hey, we made it in Scripture, that's awesome, that's amazing. Either way, what a crazy thing to think about and a wonderful thing to think about that we are a part of the narrative of God, that we are, in fact, the body of Christ, that these things were written for our edification, that we could be encouraged, that we could be lifted up, that we could understand, as Phil said this morning, that there are going to be difficulties and there's going to be hardship. Uh, In fact, uh, we looked at Simeon last week, and some of the last things he says is, hey, listen, when the swords and the things, the the bad things, the nails pierce him, they're going to pierce you as well. And not only are those things that kind of are daunting in themselves, but we should want to be pierced. We should want to be convicted by what Jesus went through for us. We should be invested and have an emotional reaction, at least at some point in our life, when we have these things impact us. And so we look at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at Anna uh, this morning uh, for our time together. We'll back up uh, to verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in the Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for consolation of Israel. Now I want to spend a little time on that in just a moment. Hopefully I'll remember to come back to that. But remember that word, consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit who was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Very quickly back at the word consolation there in verse 25. This is a word that means to be consoled. This is the moment uh, that we've been studying. You know, a couple of months ago we were studying the prophets. We've studied the prophets. Probably going to go back at some point, wrap those up. But the whole thing is, is hey, these terrible, awful things are going to happen, but there's still hope. The, the Son of God, the Messiah, is going to come and He's going to rectify the situation. He's going to make things right. He's going to set them right. And so as we get in this consolation, last week we looked at Isaiah 52 where it talked about not only is God going to give victory in Jesus from future events, 
but He's got your six. He's got your back. He says, you know, it's not going to be like the Exodus when it was, hey, you need to get your stuff and you need to get out of town. we got to get ahead of what God already knew. The Egyptians were going to change their mind and they're going to come after you. What He's saying is when Jesus comes, there's going to be an absolute, complete victory. What does that mean? It means that not only has He won the battles that are coming, but He has so given you the victory over the things in the past that they have no business intimidating you, giving you an anxiety, a complete wipeout. Right? We've all seen those athletic events where it was just not even close to begin with. That it was just a wipeout. Right? And He says, I'm going to give you that complete and utter victory, right? We've got Romans 7. There's my reference. Romans 7 where Paul says, hey, when I look back on my ability to do things, I don't have any ability to do things. And that's where we say, Paul, if you can't do it, who can? And then he flips over to Romans 8.1. He says, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? It's almost like when we bring things back before the throne of God that we were sorry over from years ago. He says, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking... I've given you such a victory in Jesus that those aren't even on the table anymore. That's the victory talked about in Isaiah 50. That's what Simeon is talking about. He's not talking about political victory from the Romans that would just... If you beat the Romans, guess what? There's going to be another vacuum. There's going to be somebody else that shows up. And, and, and that you're going to allow, whether it's a political regime or, or, or sin itself. He says, I'm going to give you a complete victory that no one has the authority to take away from you. Right? That's one of the great things about life, but it's also one of the things that is difficult about life, right? Next year in the fall, we might win all, coach. We might win a championship, but you know what's going to happen? Lord willing, another season is going to roll around and we're going to go start thinking about that, right? No matter how victorious we are in the moment, there's always, right, 2020 is great. There are people, hey, new year, new me. Is that true? Is it really going to be? You know, I don't know. Because there's going to be more struggle. There's going to be more hardship. But God says, I want to give you a victory that even in the midst of hardship, you've got peace. And you've got a joy that no one has the authority to take away from you. Unless, of course, you give it to them. That's how Romans 8 wraps up, right? He says, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Live in that. He says, I want to give you complete victory. He says, the consolation, the consolement, the comforting of bringing Israel together in victorious light. Right? They had an idea of what they thought victory looked like. David, right? David, we're going to re- to this very day, what do they want to do? If, you, if they had their way, what would be established? The Davidic throne, right? They would, they'd have this unified... That was their like greatest thought. And what God is telling us through Jesus Christ is that doesn't even begin to touch the victory that we can find. Oh, victory in Jesus, right? He says that you're farthest and craziest imagination of how good it can be can't even touch the hem of the garment of how great it's going to be. But Simeon, this great message, I know we talked about him, we're going to get to Anna, I promise, and this message that he gives her is, hey, this is going to be great for the whole. This is going to be awesome for the group, but it's going to hurt you individually. 
What's the message of the church, right? It's going to hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be pain in the offering. It's going to hurt you. In fact, David, you know, a man after God's own heart says, Hey, how can I sacrifice something that costs me nothing? Right? The guy wants to give him the land. Oh, oh, you're the king. I'll just give you the land and you can build this temple. It's an honor for you to just use the land that I have. And David says, no, I've got to pay you something. It's got to cost me something because how can I truly offer something that doesn't cost me anything? And he looks at Mary and says, hey, listen, you're going to be pierced. It's going to hurt, right? We are to hurt when others hurt. That's difficult for me. I, I don't have a lot of compassion, right? I, I, I like to ignore hard things. I, I want to avoid them, right? I, I don't want to add any extra hardship. And I'm not just thinking that's what we're praying for. What we're understanding is that they're going to come. All right, the, the two builders, you got the two foundations, right? You got the, the guy who, who builds his house on the rock. You got the guy who hears the words of God but doesn't do them. But the, the common denominator is that the winds blow and the storm comes. One house stands and one crashes. We don't know what our relationship is until it costs us something, right? It's, it's so much easier to stand up in front of people. And there are people who are terrified to stand in front of people. They just go to the courthouse, right? But you've got to stand in front of somebody. There's got to be some witness there that, hey, I'm committed to you, right? And we sign a little paper, and we put on really, some of us really, orange, you know, great rings. Some of us, i got a little rubber one because, you know, coach, you know, uh, and I lose them, uh, you know. And we do these great things, and we build all that up, and those are wonderful things, but we really don't know, right, until it's hard. And then I've got to give up what I want to do to benefit. So, you know, right? We don't know. I know that my wife is so understanding of me and and so committed to me because she's had plenty of opportunities to go somewhere else, right? To be anywhere else. Tremendous opportunities. We don't know. And so he looks at Mary and goes, hey, this is great for everybody else, but it's going to be really hard for you. That's why I don't get this idea of individual, oh, I can be a Christian without church. Well, that's a news flash. These people who who are going to go to Jesus, oh, I didn't need that. Well, I kind of thought you did. I bought them all, right? I mean, it's... Yes, is the church hard? Yeah, I'm a minister. It's difficult. I've had my teeth kicked in by church members before. I've had them say things to me that I didn't appreciate. Had them mistreat me, right? Jesus, hey, the people are there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be those moments where you need somebody. And there's going to be those moments where you need somebodies, all right? Plural. You're going to need some people. And you want those people to be there for you. The hands and feet of Christ. So this consolation. And, and it's kind of neat to me because you have Jerusalem, which represents Judah. It's in Judah. It's in the southern kingdom. And, and this guy named Simeon, who's not Judah or Benjamin, from he's from Israel. And then you have this prophetess from Asher, who's one of the other ten. And they all meet in Jerusalem and they all come together. For one, they're all represented. And I may be reading too much in that. Somebody who's a Hebrew scholar may listen to this and be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's pretty neat to me. And I don't want to spend too much time on that, but this consolation, this bringing together of, 
of people that have had their differences, right? It's a true representation of the kingdom of God. We all have our differences. We take this mic, we pass them around. There's going to be political differences. There's going to be sports team differences. There's going to be biblical ideology differences. You may use one word, I may use the other, and we may deem that as a reason not to get along. But he says, I've overcome all that. We can get through that. If Jesus is the king, and he's, he's our brother, as was mentioned further, and he, he's looked at when we were at our worst moment and said, I can redeem that. He can look at our differences and go, oh, I, that's no sweat, man. I can handle that. If you love me first, and then love everyone as your neighbor. He, he knocks this out of the park. And so it's awesome that these... Two individuals, one being a male and one being a female. And really what the story that that we've been trying to hit on through this theme is that everybody has a place in the kingdom of God, right? We've got these folks who, you've got this little baby, right? This little baby. Some churches would not have been okay with this little baby being in service, right? (laughs) Now I want you to understand, how many babies are coming through the temple at this time? Right? A bunch. Right? Babies are born all the time. And if they're a Jew, guess where they got to go? The temple. And so when he pronounces that this, you know, it's kind of like, you know, not to sell it short, but the Lion King, you know, and they throw it. That's kind of what's going on here. It's like, this one's different. Okay? These are all great. This one's different. This is the whole thing. This is different. It's all about a baby, right? This infant that I'm sure was not. Perfect and quiet and, you know, making noise, right? That's what they do. And it's almost like you just go through the different classes and there's people in this story and they're all representing people. And here we have this woman who's possibly as old as 105. Can you imagine 105 years old in the first century? Right? We, we know Simeon's an old older guy and He's almost like relieved. Oh, he's here. That means I can die. You know, I I can go on. All right, this is awesome. This is great. May we all be that ready, right? To to see and and be excited about, hey, this is the one, but maybe I don't get to participate in such a way. I get to go on to this reward, whatever that may be. And so you see this woman shows up and she kind of flashes across the screen and and we got to be careful that we don't just, oh, well, you know, you know. But she's from Asher. I don't know why that's mentioned. Like I said, I have kind of an idea of why that's mentioned. This representation. And so we begin to, to look at her. It says, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So you're possibly looking, if you want to do the math and get into all that, it's not the most important thing in the world. But more than likely, she was married at around 14, seven years, 21, 84 years. Uh, being a widow for 84 years, that's where we come up with the 105 number, okay? And I think that that's brought to the attention of this woman has lost things. She's been through struggle, right? And it's easy to go, well, she's been alive that long, obviously. But this is a mention specifically, and I think for a specific reason. She knows what loss feels like. And instead of you know, charging God, which I'm not saying there's wrong to ask God why. You may not like the answer you get. But what has she done? She has not allowed that to make her drift from God. In fact, she's allowed that to bring her into this relationship of, I do not leave the temple day or night. Wow. Right? I mean, commitment. 
And there were things that women were not allowed to do. And so she's not got the full privileges of these other guys who come and go. But she's committed to that. And, and this example of, yes, she's faced hardship, but what has she allowed that to do? Help her to grow in her commitment to God. She's not allowed that to waste, right? It's not that struggles aren't going to come or we can... It's, it's the fact that we pray, God, don't let me waste this. Help me to use it and learn from it. And the beauty of that is we have this thing that Anna and Simeon had, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that indwells us and refuses to let us waste it. I'm not ignorant enough that the Spirit won't push me right, to learn it. I've had people, I've lived long enough that people just throw their hands up and go, this guy's not going to get it. Right? He's just not going to get it. I've had coaches who go, yeah, you're not going to be successful over here. You need to go over there and annoy that person. Right? I've literally had that conversation uh, with, with, uh, with a coach. You know, you're not going to play over here. You're wasting your time. You need to go over there. Right? And you're kind of, your presence is kind of annoying me. Uh, you know, so go over there. And the Spirit says, uh-uh. No, I love you too much. I'm gonna, you're going to get it. And I'm going to harp. And I'm going to push. And I'm going to mold. Right? I'm not saying that, that at some point he doesn't go, I, I don't want any part of it. What I'm saying is, as long as we are a willing participant, and even sometimes the willing is a very small amount of willing, right? We've all had those things where, yeah, I'll do it, but I don't necessarily want to, right? And, and, and the God says, oh, I can work with that, right? You give me a little tiny bit, and I can do a big, big deal with it. I mean, look at Jonah, right? Jonah does every runs from God. And I think that's in there. I think there's some satire in Jonah. Runs from God. Yeah, big boy. Keep on trying. It's like running that treadmill. You know, some of us with the Holy Spirit, we're running a treadmill. Oh, I'm I'm going really fast, but I'm not getting anywhere. Right? And and we should be thankful for that when, when the Holy Spirit is stubborn with us. Right? I, I, I don't necessarily pray and thank I'm not thankful in the moment, but there are times where I'm like, oh man, I'm so thankful that you're more stubborn than me. You know, I've had that conversation with my kids. Hey, listen, I'm more stubborn than you are. And I'm beginning to question that sometimes on some things, right? I don't know if I'm more stubborn than they are. I sure am trying, though. Eighty-four years. Night and day. Night and day. Night and day. Can't imagine the frustration. I'm not going to project on Anna because as far as we know, we're not given that idea that there's frustration there. Frustration. I would be frustrated. 80. Hey, listen, when's this happening? You know, you know, I got other things I'd like to do. Let's push it along, right? Some of y'all are sitting right now. Man, I wish he'd wrap this thing up. And we're getting close, I promise. 84 years, right? I think that's a lot of the learning process is the timing of God, right? What if we got everything we wanted? when we wanted it. I got married kind of late. The more and more I live, the less late that is. But compared to everyone else that I knew, I got married late, right? They're all like having kids. You know, I've got people who are my age who've got kids in middle school and starting high school, right? And I didn't get married till what most considered late. You know, find a husband university, FHU, Freed Hardeman, right? That's what we called it. If you didn't graduate with one of those, you kind of missed the boat, right? And I graduated free and had several years after that before I got married. And so it's like I wanted to be married a long time ago. 
But I guarantee you I wasn't ready. Now, that's one of those things that you're probably not ever really ready. But I know I wasn't ready. I mean, I knew it, right? And so I wanted it. But was I ready for it? And God has this wonderful way through the Holy Spirit of giving us what we need when we need it. Right? And I can't think of a time where looking back, once I got what God said I needed when I needed it, and go, you know, I really could have stood to have that a little earlier. <laughs> and the beauty of it is that we're not perfect in any of it, except through the power of Christ. And so as she completes here, we look at it, it says, She did, mark, did, mark from the te- did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to, whom, to all who were waiting for the word here, redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, Orthodox, I believe it's Catholics, still uh, celebrate in February a day for Simeon and Anna, right? This idea of the redemption of of Jerusalem, the redemption of Jerusalem, the city of peace. This morning, you have a tremendous offering of redemption, the very same redemption that this wonderful lady at 105 years old, possibly 105 years old, spoke of, the very same you can have this morning. This morning, whatever the need may be, we pray and we plead with you to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, to create in you and make you an instrument. That's what you were created for, to be an instrument for the good of God. And He's the one who brings the power. And it's simply you allowing Him to convict you and to willingly give yourself over, to give up your stubbornness and allow Him to move in your life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, that conviction is to become a Christian. That, that, that push, that redemption is to give your life to Christ, to confess your sins before men, confess Him before men. You've heard the word this morning. You're convicted. It's to believe. You, you've heard it. That leads to belief. That leads to a willingness to do what God has commanded you, to put on His Son's blood in baptism, to receive that gift. And it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, nothing that we can give back. There's nothing we can do uh, to deserve the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a legit definition of gift. There's nothing that we can do to, to deserve that. It's not when we come out of the water, we can go, okay, God, give me what I deserve because I've done this wonderful, great work. Because the only way we know to even do any of that is because he said, hey, listen, ignorant, you know, uh, this is what you need to do. Uh, that, that verse in Hebrews chapter 4, I believe, where it says, you know, and he deals gently with the ignorant and the wayward, right? You can just put that on my tombstone, ignorant and wayward, right? And thankful that he's gentle with me. He pushes us. If you are a Christian and you're just struggling in your walk, welcome to the party because we are right where you need to be. You are not alone in that. And if there's some way that we can come alongside you and be the hands and feet of God, we would love nothing more to do that as we stand, as we sing.